0: Welcome to Indie Game Business, where you'll learn to navigate the industry with ease. Indie Game Business is recorded live on Mixer and produced by the Powell Group. Check us out at IndieGame.Business. Now, let's start the show with your host, Jay Powell and me, Indie. What's up, everybody? My name's Indy, and the gentleman right next to me—that's Mr. Jay Powell from Powell Group Consulting—and this is Indy Game Business. And our special guest today is Yelid de Young. And I'll, I guess I'll let you tell you tell us a little bit about you. Uh, or, or, and Jay's got his question. Let's...
1: Yeah, we always do the same first question, and so I'll get that started. Tell us, you know, how you got into the industry initially. And walk us through your career up to what you're doing now.
2: Sure thing, sure thing. So, well, well done on the pronunciation, of course. (laughs) Jelle de Jong is how you exactly pronounce it here in Amsterdam, the Netherlands. Um, For me, in the gaming, I'm quite a rookie in the gaming industry actually. Um, This month officially, this is my first year uh, in the gaming industry. So, uh, yeah, it's been one awesome year so far. I've I've done quite a lot already. Seen a lot of people join a lot of events as well and I really really like the gaming industry so far Um, if you look at my background I mostly have like a commercial background so I've done mostly sales uh, during the past years at all different kinds of companies from growth hacking which is quite a uh, buzzword at the moment in the marketing uh, (laughs) industry right now and uh, yeah since last year I had the opportunity to come to work here in the gaming industry because my yeah two best friends actually started a great company and I've seen them building it in the in the the past uh, three to four years and then when they actually like needed someone uh, to set up the whole commercial aspect of the company they luckily approached me so that's kind of the background
1: Nice. So you know, it's it's good. You've been doing this for for just a year, and yeah. good news is, if you make it three or four more, you're considered a veteran. That, so really? That's all you have to do.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's a term that I hear like here, like every single day. Like I, I'm a gaming veteran, <laughs> and I'm like, when when am I finally reaching that point? I've no clue. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's it's a it's a short lifespan for a lot of folks. It's, like, <laughs> but it's good. That you, We do. This this because we love it that's the reality of it i was telling that somebody this morning i was like if you're in this industry because you think you're gonna get rich you're you're doing it wrong because while yes there's that possibility eh, most of the time you're not
2: uh, that's, that's exactly what I really love about the whole industry. It's 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 like a game enthusiast. We are all gamers by heart. Uh, we love playing games. Everybody has their own genre which they love most. But like the basic sense, we are gamers. And when you join these kind of events, it's great to see like everybody's ex- like who they are. You have CEOs with blue hair or purple hair. It's amazing. You don't yes. see it anywhere else. <laughs> yes, exactly.
1: So. You know, you reached out a couple of weeks ago, and you had a very engaging message talking about human psychology and competitiveness and how it factors into, you know, retention and engagement. You know, tell us a little bit to put some perspective on it. You know, and to those of us watching, like I said, live, I'm not angry as much as I just can't see anything because I've been to the eye doctor. Because um, I just saw myself on the video, and I'm like, damn, I do look angry. Um, Tell us a little bit about game transactions so we can put it in perspective and then we'll get into the research that you've been doing as well.
2: Cool. Yeah sure thing. So um, I'm actually like CEO of two companies both Ease Games and Game Transactions owned by the same people and uh, to give you like the whole story in a nutshell Ease Games is our own skill gaming platform where players can challenge each other and compete head-to-head against others for free practice coins but also for real money. Uh, that's of course where it gets really excited and um, when we soft launched this platform both on browser and On uh, mobile, we found out that our metrics were performing incredibly well, especially if you compare them to the industry averages. And that's when we knew, like, all right, we have something special here. Let's help out uh, other game studios in the industry because all game studios are struggling with the same thing uh, from a saturated app store. with all the new games being uploaded on a weekly basis as with generating like proper revenue and we had some, some something special so we focused all our resources and attention on creating an SDK which we distribute under the name game transactions which can transform a regular mostly hyper casual game into an esports platform or a competitive platform so that's that's what we do in short Let's talk about what you've learned.
1: You know, When did you start doing this research into the human psyche and, and why yeah. it makes us like – on, on one hand, it's like, well, of course, if you're super competitive, you're going to be more engaged in shit because you want to win. Yeah, but definitely. But there's, there's more to it than that. So, I mean, walk us through – just – tell us what you've learned basically
2: yeah sure thing. so um, yeah in, in in the beginning like when we, we saw metrics of our players and we saw that they were quite high especially for retention for example we know like all right it makes sense it's cool to compete against others but what's the really like what's the big drive uh, for this and then uh, I got invited to do a little talk during PGC in Helsinki last year so I had to do like some some proper research on, on, on what the, the, the main reason or the cause is for people to, to invest so much more time in in our competitive games and I found uh, yeah actually different research. Uh, first of all was uh, research done by um, Ashley Merriman uh, she's a psychologist and co-author of a book called Top Dog. It's a whole book on research of human competitiveness and uh, she literally like figured out that humans are competitive by nature. It's something that we do on a daily basis. Like, it's, it's super simple with questions that we ask ourselves like, hey, how am I doing in comparison to my brother, my sister, my mother? My best friends maybe even and uh, she really found out that this is it seems something that every human being has right it's really in in our system and that's something that we really tend to leverage with the with, with these games um, and, and what we see happening of course so what she also figured out is that like proper um, competitors or people who do this more often or on the pro level is that they know exactly like what games to invest time in, what games to compete in, and they understand really well that it takes quite a lot of time to to increase your own skill level, to become better at the game, so to increase your opportunity of winning. So that was like the first bit of research that I've done. Uh, Secondly, which is more and more interesting is like uh, neuroscience behind this so uh, there's this researcher uh, she's called Muriel Niederle I don't know if I pronounced that right Um, and she found out that like when humans start competing uh, our body uh, gives us an extra dopamine and testosterone kick uh, a bit of a spike actually to help us come uh, really compete on our peak performance right so um, our body is 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 enabling us to, 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 to perform at our utter best during these competitions and uh, as well as helping us to perform yeah, as best and hopefully win of course and that's where it that's like really really exciting for me
1: so if it's a if it's a dopamine burst, and we if we talked mm-hmm. about this like, a, God, maybe a year ago with with higher oh, really? well, yeah. I mean, we, we talked about the dopamine and the R games addictive thing. But if it's a dopamine burst, then eventually you're going to you're going to need more and more. It's going to wear off. It's not going to be you know as effective as effective at keeping you going and keeping you happy and keeping you engaged. So. What are the differences? I mean, how did you test the engaged or not engaged? You know, when it comes to the the games and and the platform, and how does that affect over time? I mean, what what happens over time with that?
2: Mm. Um, so like if we compare the games that we offer currently in comparison to other normal or original games it's they they they're all hyper casual or casual so that's it's all all the, the exact same genre um, but for let's let's say a top performing hyper casual game the day 28 retention of the top performing games is like 15% in our case that's 35% for paying players so <laughs> it's wow. incredibly high. Um, it's it's just incredibly high. So I knew there has to be like there has to be something there, right? And if you like, the only difference between original games and our games is the competitive edge in the games that we offer, as well as the real money ele- element in there. So that's when I really knew. All right, that there should be something here that has a substantial influence on it, and that's really the human competitiveness factor in. It. And then. Yeah, sorry. Oh, no, 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 go, go ahead.
1: I'll, I'll, so, I'm, I'll write it down. Go
2: cool. So, so what you mentioned about like this dopamine kick and it should wear out, um, if we check like the retention rate of a paying player, for instance, for a year, you see that in the beginning, they start playing. Day one, day two, it's great. Then there's a bit of a dip. And out of nowhere, there's a new spike coming up a couple of weeks later. And that's that's super interesting to see, and I I really believe that there's a there's a proper connection between, yeah, that retention uh, that players show, and the actual human competitiveness factor behind it.
1: So, it's interesting that you've got that thirty five percent day twenty eight retention because what we always hear about hyper casual games is people play them for like a week and then they want to find another one. So are you? Yeah. Are they playing the same game that whole time or is it is it their retention with the platform across multiple games
2: so in the case of East games we have like six different games on there Uh, so yeah there would be a potential of players just moving around shifting and playing different games each time but with what we notice of the the top performing players right now uh, the top league they all play like one or two games regularly on, on a daily basis Non-stop. And that's something like the, the uh, connection with hyper-casual games is what I believe is so super in- interesting here. It's because every game studio and publisher, they define hyper-casual games as very easy to learn and a bit harder to master. And I don't believe that that those yeah studios and publishers, that they leverage that as well as they could. Because this natural learning curve... Right? Uh, Enables people to to, to invest more time in the game, to become better in the game. And they will definitely do so as long as the incentive is correct. That's what I believe. Uh, So, how are
1: you're, and, and it's the one on the whole, you know, easy to learn, hard to master, people are saying that shit about games for 20 years, you know, yeah. and you're right, it just depends <laughs> on, it depends on whether or not they actually mean it, but at this point, using that as a marketing hook in the industry, you're just kind of like, yeah. all right, yeah, whatever, I know, no, it's, it's, you know, you know what, so is chess, and it's been around for a long time. Yeah. Um, so how do the games that that you create for the platform differ than the normal
2: hyper-casual games. So the only difference is the fact that you play it competitively against another, like another player. That's the main difference. And the fact that you can play for real money. So most of the games still are played for free practice coins, which are completely free. Like you don't have to do anything to get them and you can start playing. And then some players play for real money for which of course you have to create an account and deposit money on that account. Uh, but the retention rate counts for every single game out there. Yeah.
1: So, and, and to put everything in perspective, and I'm going back and looking at notes here this morning. You know, we say that that 35 percent at day 28 is is really good. What are what are the normals? What are the benchmarks that most of these games see compared to what you're what you're seeing?
2: Sure thing. So, uh, like, if you take a look at a very popular publisher like Fudu they set very very strict uh, benchmarks for retention right uh, before they collaborate with a hyper casual game so i believe their 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 day one retention is like between 40 and 50% of the day 7 retention is around 15 which is already like super high for hyper casual um, but there's this report from game analytics which i always love to 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 read and and use um, let me, let me double-check what the exact numbers are. But for, like, day 28, uh, the top-performing hyper-casual games have a retention of 5%. Yeah. That's day 28. It's, and in our case, it's 28%. Like, it, in our case, sorry, it's 30, 35% for paying players. But if you look for all players in general, it's 16%. But that's still three times as high. So, I mean, but there has to be stuff that you all are doing in your
1: games... To make them that much engaging, because yeah, competitiveness is one thing, but competitiveness alone doesn't cover thirty percent over twenty days. You know, that's a huge. I mean, is it is it a learning curve issue? Is it a is it a theme? Is it, you know, there's something in there that's different that's causing you to see it, or do you think it's just it's seriously it's just because it's competitive?
2: I think it's mostly because it's competitive and because the real money aspect in it, because you can win proper money by playing games. Um, and then in combination with the learning factor in there, yeah, that's, 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 that's really the main reason why. So like, we, we have like games that you see everywhere. It's a penalty shooter, for instance, or a bowling game that we have on our platform. You play as a gamer, you or as a player, you play the game for two minutes straight and score as many points as possible within that two minute time limit. And at the end, the, the, the player with the highest score wins the prize pool. Um, if it is like practice coins or free money, doesn't really matter. At the end of two minutes, you win. Um, and the main difference is is the, the yeah the prize pool at the end and the fact that you're competing against someone else. So. Um, Of course, you want to perform well, right? Uh, Even if you're competing against yourself, it's all about scoring as many points as possible because there's something tangible on the line right here. I mean, that's just... That's
1: a... I can't get over how big of a spike that is. That's
2: a huge so, to, 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 to be completely transparent, the data is based on like a, a small set of daily active users that we currently have, because we have only soft launched the platform about one and a half years ago. Uh, so I'm not talking about like hundred thousands of daily active users at all. Um, but if you look at that, the, all the data, which we have collected for the past uh, year now. Um, what you see is that the 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 biggest amount of of this player base is still super engaged. Like I have players uh, playing every single day when I, when 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 something is, uh, for instance give you a a super simple example there was one point when someone was scoring like a crazy amount of points on our platform and we were really like really researching his uh uh, account and he emailed us straight away like hey guys what's going on i want to play more games (laughs) i want to know what's going on with my account currently because everybody is is on this app uh competing against others and winning real money um as well as to yeah to give you an example the top performing player right now he has won over 22000 euros in the past Rick. year <laughs> in the past what in the past year that we are live oh jeez 22000 euros how
1: much how many hours a day is he, is, is this person playing
2: i don't even want to know <laughs> it's amazing so for him like in this case the guy is actually from an eastern european country uh, from that's Romania, I believe. Money in... For them, it's 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 more than the average annual income. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, we have like proper pr- pro players on our platform competing every single day.
1: Oh my God. Um. It's, uh, so, we're, we're talking to to Yella. You know, did I get that right? Yeah, that's perfect. So it's even worse when you have like the southern accent because we screw up every name <laughs> anyway. Yella. Yella, so that's great. We're talking about the psychology of human engage- of, of competitiveness in humans, and how it affects retention and the engagement in this stuff. And so, if you've got questions on any of it, you know whether you're on Twitter, or Mixer, or, or Facebook, or, or LinkedIn, or YouTube, wherever, throw it in chat. We'll see the question, and you know we'll we'll get to it live on the show. Um, that is. But so do you think if if we took any hyper casual game out there on the market and put it in there it would have the same as long as you're doing it competitively right yeah so is it is it like asynchronous i haven't seen the games themselves but is it i'm playing against indie and who can get the higher score on a single player or is it like a pvp type thing
2: it's it's indeed asynchronized multiplayer um So, which means that you have two players playing the exact same level against another um, but you don't have to play live at the same moment. So, if I go on the app right now, I select the game I want to play and the amount I would like to play for, the system is then going to match me against an opponent of equal skill, because that's a very important factor as well, and when we match, I start playing my game, my level, for two minutes straight. And my opponent is playing alive at the same moment, or he has already played the level before. And at the end, the scores are matched, and then the, the person with the highest score actually wins.
1: So how long does it keep... So if I play this morning, and then any plays like <laughs> later today, how long is, is my recording or my score kept in there before it's kicked out for somebody else's?
2: Yeah, it's 24 hours before we oh. kick it out. And then when there's no match found within the 24 hours, you get your money back.
1: That's just, that, That's absolutely... I'm still trying to wrap my head around that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, it's very interesting. Like it, it all started like four years ago when actually my best friends were playing a game of pool in a bar. And uh, to up the ante, they put in like ten euros. The winner takes ten euros, and after playing, like the game was so much more exciting. It was so much more fun. It is because um, you're not 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 focusing on drinking beer and playing a game of pool. No, you're focusing on winning. You want to perform well, and uh, that's when they like something hit them. Like, hey, wow, why can't we make a mobile version out of this?
1: I mean, it's, it's what we've been doing in our homes and for years with our friends. It's like, all right, yeah. we're going to run a, a lap in Mario Kart and I'll put a dollar down and see who who wins. And we do it at bars as well. Yeah. Uh, you know, to take it to that next level, be able to do it, you know, wherever you are. That's obviously a bigger part of it. Um, to, Nightwolf has a has a question. Hold on, bear with me here. Indy, can you read that? Because I can't see this out of my screen.
0: (laughs) Sure, I can read it. Um, That probably explains why in ranking games like League of Legends, Overwatch, Smite, etc., they have this grind for rank, which can be thousands plus gamers, games, players per year. A win is worth more there and can be increased with more wins, but risk of loss can really hurt their high and cause them to lose more and then want to go backup winning. That really wasn't a question, but But that's what he said. The question that I had
1: from that is, have you tested different ways of, of, of competitiveness, you know, one versus one versus like an ELO ranking. And so you go up in tiers, you know, that sort of stuff. Have you, have you tested that? Is there anything that says one way of being competitive is better than another way?
2: so we actually have three forms of competing Uh, you compete head to head against another player that's the first and foremost option that we offer then you have tournament options and there are two options one is an option where um, there's a set price already uh, organized by the 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 game owner of let's say a hundred bucks and then uh, players can join for free practice coins and then the top ranking players actually get a share of the total price pool and the second tournament that we offer is a version where uh, there's a set minimum of the price pool of, let's say, 5 euros or 10 euros. And then for each game, uh, each player joining for an entry fee of 1 euro, the price pool increases. And then still, again, the top-ranking player wins. So those are the three forms of, of competitions that we offer. Uh, but like for in, in all cases, they are... They are, they are uh, like everybody starts playing those immediately and quite a lot. What I do see, because I don't have like tangible data I can share with you that is interesting on that, because there's not a big of a difference. Um, what I do notice is that like the top performing players, they tend to go for the tournaments because their chance of winning there is a lot bigger since they are, yeah, they, they, they are so skillful in these games at this point that they can end up like in the top five or, or the top ten quite easily. Um, and regular players especially players who play for free practice points play a lot against others head-to-head so I mean you said there's
1: different ranks so when you get to the tournaments are you sectioning off people to be in a certain level of tournament versus another level of tournament, or is it like everybody is thrown into the same tournament?
2: Yeah, and this, like, right now, everybody's thrown in, in the, the same tournament, uh, but you can join multiple times to improve your score. It's usually like a tournament of one day or one week. Um, in the case of head-to-head real money gaming, yeah, we definitely like do fair player matching. So if you would start out with a new account right now, you would definitely not be matched against the player who has won over twenty two thousand euros by now. But how do you prevent smurfing?
1: You know, how do you prevent that person who has you know has won twenty grand over the last year from creating a different account and just completely wrecking people at the at the lower end because their account's new, they're considered a new person
2: yeah yeah that's so that's definitely like a big a big thing uh, or a big aspect that we have to focus on right now uh, lots of people try a lot of different techniques uh, it's quite ingenious to see what they come up with uh, <laughs> But we have several security measures set up um, we have for instance also like different tiers of information that you have to provide us before you can top up your account with more money so if you would like to have like a hundred bucks on your account right now we need uh, your name we need like all th- types of yeah, extra information of the person before they are able to to have this amount on their on their platform um, or on their account and that's that's actually something that we focus on a lot uh, for us the main goal is to offer something fun right competing against friends uh, putting in a euro to make it more exciting um, on your account, so right? yeah for instance t- you can't play a game against a lot player for a hundred bucks there's a cap on that there's a cap of like 10 euros per game because yeah we focus on fun games and not on yeah some some i don't know poker site or something
1: yeah i can't do i've never been good at the poker end of it anyway but i
2: mean but
1: this is you're, you're in a spot where you're getting a very wide spectrum of players in the first place because you're in hyper casual. You know, if you go to, you know, something, you know, like a shooter or you know, every genre's got its own primary demographics. But when you're dealing with that casual hyper casual market, you've got a very wide spectrum of the industry that you're going to, yeah. which makes all this research that much more interesting. Is is because it's not like sectioned off, you know. It's not like, well, we do this and it's really, you know, great, and, and we're earning a lot of money on thirteen to twenty four year old girls or boys or whatever. You've got a very wide spectrum. So where does this go next? What have you learned in terms of that you can share? Obviously, in terms of how developers and publishers can make this more interesting and,
2: and use this you know in their in their own games. Sure thing. So that's something that we focus on as game transactions, right? Where we distribute our SDK that can transform a copy of an original game into a platform like this. Um, so how we see it working right now is that this can offer an additional revenue model, but also an additional player experience for the current player base. So what we see mostly is that someone with a hyper-casual game keeps on offering that version of the game, but also makes a copy of it, strips it of everything but the core gameplay, integrates our SDK into it, which then creates this very intuitive yeah, user interface, uh, enabling players to yeah, com- compete against others, and use this as an additional revenue model. Um, I think especially super interesting for like publishers or so, because yeah, regularly they have this immense drop off of 85% of the players at day seven. What if they funnel those players towards the competitive version and offer them this new experience? Um, I believe that this tends to work really well, especially since players of the original version already have experience with the game. They have a bit, a higher yeah, skill level and they will be probably able to, to perform better on the skill version.
0: Indie Game Business has one of the longest-running digital event series in the gaming industry with hundreds of publishers, investors, developers, and tech companies to meet with. All the sessions are always free to watch forever, and you can get a free pass to receive all the slide decks from all the speakers. The tickets for meetings start just at $50. Go to IndieGame.Business and use the code IGBPODCAST to get 20% off your ticket.
1: That's interesting too because you know we've seen games have had a life cycle for as long as we've had games. Now it used to be like just to show my age here, <laughs> you release a game at, at sixty bucks at, at GameStop or Best Buy or, or whatever the the local retailer is, and then over time you know, there, there's a expansion pack that comes out and then maybe it gets cut down to a $30 price point and then it gets bundled with something else and then it, you know, ends up in a jewel case at Walmart for, you know, 10 bucks. And it's harder to create that life cycle with digital games and with all, especially with mobile games as well. But it's something that we're starting to see because of subscription services. So, um. you know... When we talk to companies about, you know, solutions like what y'all are doing a game transaction, the main thing we hear back from developers and publishers is, I don't want to cannibalize our existing sales. It's like fine, don't. But this could be something that allows you, you know, to extend that life cycle. You know, you run it if your day twenty eight retention is five percent, then after a month, take the game off of your you know, your rotation and drop it into, you know, something like this where it's going to be new and it's going to, you know, see new revenue streams come in. It's something as an industry that we've got to start planning for and developers need to be thinking about this in terms of what's the life cycle of my game and how do I get the most out of it?
2: Yeah. yeah, that's completely in line with the way that we think. Um, there's just such an opportunity to keep players engaged with a new ex- experience uh, instead of just dropping them off after day 7 or day, day 28. Um, and this is certainly like the way that we are, are approaching this right now. Uh, game studios from very, very small indie studios to yeah the biggest titles out there are currently working on uh, skill version to be integrated with our solution. And, um, yeah, it's very interesting to see. Our, our first uh, our first integrated game is actually built by a very small studio in Vietnam, who I've met uh, during PGC in London last year. And they were super excited, testing new things out, right? They, they were used to offering uh, in-game ads and in-game purchases in their games. And they were figuring out, hey, how can I, yeah, leverage this new business model and see if it works and uh yeah it was very exciting
1: so are you what i mean you can show us the the platform we did, we did test that that works like right? right yeah yeah we it tested it it works okay. <laughs> so yeah. walk yeah. us through it you know and, and we're going to have to describe it a lot because we do have a lot of people that listen to the podcast and they obviously can't see what's on the screen sure thing. walk us through it and then you know i've got more questions and if anyone out there if you're listening you're watching if you got questions drop them in chat
2: yeah sure you know. thing i'll do it i'll do it slowly um let me share my screen if i'm correct you can see my screen now right yes So, the fact that this is Ease Games, which we've built in Java, uh, and we wrapped into an app. (laughs) So, that's why I can show you the browser version as well. But this is exactly what the, the version on the App Store would look like so uh, yeah this is the platform and in the top right corner you actually see my account Uh, probably no one can see but it's actually me as the (laughs) avatar which (laughs) players can can choose as well Uh, this is a funny little detail and i'm uh, i'm like level 22 i'm actually not that good at playing these games and on the left hand side you see that i have 19 euros on my account right now and i have 110 practice coins So when I start playing and I use up all my practice coins, then it takes about 10 minutes and then you get 100 new ones and then you can start practicing again. And then at the moment that you feel confident enough about your skill level, you can deposit a little bit of money on your account uh, from 10 euros on and start uh, playing for real money. so that's the basic principle and then, if i if i scroll down you see that we actually have uh, different games on the platform i can directly start playing so if i click on it i can directly play uh, there's nothing in between so these are our own games on our platform we also have our partner games because uh, we believe it's very important to help our new partners uh, especially indie developers like wingy shooter this is the game from vietnam uh, to get the first traffic on the platform if I would click on this, I would go to the to the App Store link, actually. Uh, but then I can start playing with the same account I have here.
0: Are um, all these only available on iOS, or is there Android as well?
2: Yeah, so that's a very good question. It's currently only available uh, on the App Store, uh, simply because Google doesn't allow real money gaming yet. I didn't know there are there are some workarounds to get it uh, as an APK on your Android device as well. Uh, but in general we mainly focused on iOS currently so g- Google isn't allowing
1: real money gambling on or I'm sorry I'm not gonna say gambling because that's a different
2: in you. the US real money competitions anywhere mm-hmm. at all currently not currently not but um, we do expect some changes in that in the upcoming years since
1: this industry is simply growing so fast. Yeah, it is. I mean, I, I get it from the U.S. standpoint. We, we've always had that. There's a couple of states where it's legal, but yeah. for the most part, you, you have to be very clear in that this is a game of skill, not a game of chance. Or, you know, you get, you can't do it. Exactly. Uh, but I didn't realize that Google wasn't allowing it at all. So, are they all iOS, or can you do it on PC too?
2: Um, so these partner games are are all ios uh, but these on top here are html5 games so i can show you on pc too but uh, give me one more second to to run through the the last points before we jump into a game it's like the competitions that we've mentioned so you have two kind of competitions people can also join Um, one is with a set price and if you join for free practice coins you can actually win real money and the other you join with real money and then the price pool uh, increases by the number of players that join, um, but on the bottom here, this is where it gets so exciting: is our top rank list, and on the yeah, the the, the, okay. the number one right now is Mr. D and he has won over 20,000 euros playing in the past year. Damn, it's just <laughs> incredible to see, right? <laughs> hey, honey yeah right. i have got some extra money what do you want to yeah, play games <laughs>
1: that is crazy all right so so what's the what's that what's the next one down with the live winnings is showing
2: so this is actually yeah, the, the live winnings so on the top here is Ritje. i don't know how to pronounce his name and he just won a game of free kick shooter and uh yeah won one euro 70. And then down below, you see uh, other people, what they've played, and which games, and uh, just the live winnings of the platform. So, I mean, since it's HTML5,
1: people on Android devices should still be able to play it. You just can't get it off the
2: Google Store, right? Exactly. So, there are some workarounds to get the APK of the of, of, the, of the platform. Um, but since we help with user acquisition and giving a- a- advice on that, at least, uh, we, we really aim for the App Store because that's where oh, yeah, yeah. people can di- directly download. Yeah.
1: That's always the easiest, but it's not like you can't do this if you have an Android phone.
2: Correct. Um, um, I had
1: another question, oh, but I forgot what it was.
2: I'll show you a game then, uh, just to show you what it looks like. So if I click on the game, uh, it gives me the option to play for real money or to play for practice coins. Uh, let's play for real money in this case, because uh, it's, <laughs> it's just more exciting. Um, go for two players. The price pool, if you notice, is 1 euro 70. So the player puts in one euro, other player puts in one euro, and we charge an entry fee of 15%. <laughs> Uh, That's actually the revenue model behind this whole platform. Uh, Which means that you have a price pool in this case of 1 euro 70 and the winning player gets this. And then I have the opportunity to click and play and the system is going to look for an opponent of equal skill or or I can directly challenge someone on the platform of which I know his username or I can challenge them via any social media via a link. Uh, this this is really something that we support of course, because that's the main goal of the platform. Challenging friends, uh, beating friends, especially. That's what it looks like. Um, if I click on play, it, it will take about eight seconds to find an opponent. If the platform is not able to find someone, it's no, no problem at all. I can start playing already. Uh, and then my score is being matched against someone else. But we actually found, found someone now, so we can start. Um, cancel the noise for you guys and here it's a simple hyper casual game so I have a time limit of two minutes we also we always have a time limit because um, yeah the shorter the game the more games are played at the end of the day and the main goal is to scare, score as many points as possible and next to that is just a regular hyper casual game this makes sense right yeah so do you see a
1: difference in Popularity between games that are, you know, match threes versus shooters versus other genres of hyper casual games?
2: Yeah, definitely, definitely, we see some some differences. Um, but I do believe that we do need like a little bit more data to to really give a yeah proper reasoning behind it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's, it's as simple as yeah, the more exciting, fast-paced games, those tend to work better than yeah slow-moving games yeah just just as what you would imagine for the original version of the game don't let him win (laughs) no i have to let him win because then i have a happy new player right (laughs) (laughs) that's that's the opposite of being competitive that's the (laughs) in this case yes in this case yes but since yeah i'm partly owner of this whole platform i cannot start like winning every single game out there (laughs) (laughs) because that's considered people don't don't learn
1: anything by doing it correctly you only learn, you know. <laughs> when you get owned at something here. Yeah. So get that purple yeah, one. Yeah. Get, get that one. purple one.
2: Oh, uh, this one is huge. Oh as no! Well. A big bomb. There we go. <laughs> Let's see what happens in the end. I have like 2,300 points. See if I got beaten by this. By not he, doing. He's it. got so, over so 10 can grand. You see what their score was? Yeah. Afterwards. So oh, when when the game is live. Uh, you see a live score, but in this case, it's afterwards. So I lost, (laughs) it's clearly in red right here. I had only 2,400 points and he had almost 6,000 points. He still didn't do that well. Nah, nah, you can beat this, right? So this is is exactly what happened. I could have got over 9,000. Uh, this is the human competitiveness which helps with the engagement and the retention of the platform because that's what you think like the the immediate thought that you have right now is i can beat that and uh yeah to give you more details on that because that's also in the the research of the neuroscientists is that um after a competition in general our body gives us another testosterone spike which um prepares us for the next challenge so this is why people and now we have seen it live when you lose you you really like ready for the next game you're like hey wait for it i can i can do better i really i have a chance of winning and uh yeah that's all due to this extra testosterone that's that's that really runs through your body that's it's i
1: also call it like the golf effect you know you can sit down and Watch a golf tournament and mm-hmm. you can go, Well, I can do that. And the same way with a lot of esports. It's like I can't yeah. be a professional linebacker or a professional basketball player. I'm too short, I'm too old, too fat, basically. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but, you know, in theory, if I practice enough, I can play golf as well as anybody else and I can do esports as well as anybody else. And yeah. so that's where it gets in. It's not just that it's competitive, you get a sense of, oh, I can do this. You know, this yeah. isn't something that I'm going to be limited on based on, you know, physical or or mental. It's like, no, I can't be solving complex math equations or anything like that. Yeah. But, you know, you, you look at stuff like this, and like I said, yeah, it's like, oh, my God, I can do that. I can beat that. And the next thing you know, you're sitting here and, and, and winning $22,000 <laughs> a year. Playing a fucking match three games.
2: Uh, yeah, exactly, exactly. So even, like, for example, we, we of course, fought. Focus mainly on people of the age group 18 to 35 or so. Uh, but for instance, my mother, she's like a really frequent uh, match three player. She plays Candy Crush every single day. Yeah, so that's interesting. I, I know for sure that if I compete against her in 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 this game Fruit Crush, she would she would crush me definitely. So even my mom would be like uh, yeah <laughs> a potential so, player of the platform. Why is the focus? on 18 to
1: 34 year olds when what we've seen for years is especially the casual market you know leans 35 and older female and casual players as we get older we're more likely to dump money into something versus dumping time into something it would seem to me like your your target market would actually be that older crowd versus the 18 to 34 crowd
2: yeah, yeah, that makes sense. It's something that we are still learning and researching at this point. Um, so, like, currently, we, we focus on on friends and family and, of course, like, uh, with user acquisition on, on players that are... Uh, uh, um, yeah, uh, excited about yeah, skill gaming and winning real money. Those are usually some younger players, but there's definitely like there's definitely going to be a trend where where this this age group is going to increase. Uh, we also in these type of games, by the way, see that women are are playing competitively a lot as well. Yeah,
1: because it's that that's the demographic that we've always seen. You know, I've been making casual games for 10 15 years, and, and that's yeah. always where we aimed at it. Um, so it's interesting that your, your targeting is in that younger demographic.
2: Do you want to know a fun, a fun fact, by the way? Just quickly in between, because I came up with it again. Uh, in the difference between men and women, super interesting. There was this research uh, done, I have to check out her name because it's fair to say her name as well. But it's a uh, research done by uh Muriel no it wasn't Muriel it was someone else sorry it was a research done by, by this scientist from, uh, from Oxford and she figured out that if you ask a test group of men and women to start competing in a certain match or whatever that you uh, guys in general, they tend to to agree and jump in the the competition right away. It's about 70% of the guys says, yes, I want to compete right here, right now. And only about 30% of the females want to compete. And like there's a significant difference there, right? It's like 40%. And what she figured out is that. Females or women are are really great at calculating their the risk and calculating the opportunity, uh, their chance of winning and stuff like that. They're They're smart, (laughs) (laughs) and we guys we are we are great as well, but we are really great at ignoring all these calculations and just jumps right (laughs) there.
1: That doesn't surprise me, one. Not at all. Right? No, no. At all. that makes perfect sense. Because that's why no. my, my wife and I went to Vegas many, many, many years ago. And yeah. she would hit a certain point and where she was up money, and then she would quit and walk away. And then me, I'm sitting <laughs> there, and I'm like, yeah, I'm up money, but now I can get up more. Because I'm not doing the math in my head going, mm-hmm. you know this is probably stupid for me to keep doing this where she was. And so that's why she came home with money. And I, I didn't,
2: uh, yeah, it's like appropriate difference.
1: So, so Heidi says, you have to let your opponent win 30% of the time for max interactivity. That's proven in the lab between big rats and small rats, play fighting. <laughs> Can we get the video of that? That's, um, <laughs> that's, that's crazy. Um, anything mean, we're, we're coming up on our, on our time here this is just absolutely interesting i want to see i want to you know look at this later on like a year from now and see how the difference how the games have evolved because it is interesting when you're thinking you, you know you're talking about okay the guys want to jump in right now but you know the women are the ones that this is targeted against, you know, how does that affect your marketing? How does that affect, um, you know, different types of games that are on there? Because, you know, all of this stuff is is different and we're seeing more and more from the esports side, from the, from the, you know, skill-based gaming side, however we want to phrase that to make it legal, you know, it's, it is something that's been around for a long time, but at the same time, it, um, it's still evolving and it still hasn't caught like mass groups like you know other things have so it's it's, i've been making skill-based competitive games for 15 years you know they've been around they haven't it's not a new thing but you know what is interesting is now everybody's starting to pay attention you know and it's like okay are we at a second genesis of the stuff and are the companies that already have this knowledge of what works going to be doing better than the ones who you know are, are just getting into it? And so there's a, there's a lot of there's, there's a lot of factors in there that I'm curious about. Uh, Indy, I see that chat is like blowing the hell up. Right
0: now. <laughs> um, yeah, they're talking to each other. How dare um, they? Screw them. What's up? (laughs) Uh, Jaime says, Jordan Peterson talked about the small rats needing to win 30% of the time to not be discouraged versus a bigger opponent. That's what he said there.
1: So you only have to win a third of the time versus getting your ass handed to you by a bigger opponent to make you want to come back and do it again. On one level, that that sounds crazy. On another level, you think about it and it's like, yeah, okay, that makes sense. Well, yeah. I mean,
0: people <laughs> people go to casinos and your odds are shit. You know what I mean? But people still play. You you have like a thirty percent chance of winning, but yet you'll still a 30% play. Thirty you percent know? chance
1: of winning at a casino is ridiculously good.
0: Yeah, that's <laughs> never gonna happen. You
1: know, but a thirty percent of of winning in a game is um that that's much more attainable, much more realistic. Um, anything else that you want to add here? Yellen, yeah, because it's, like I said, this is very interesting. But I also want to yeah. see how it, where it goes from here. So, one, if there are developers out there that want to implement this in their games, what do they do?
2: Definitely possible. Uh, simply go to Z.com. Uh, we have our website there where you can download the, the free SDK. So that's also yeah very good to, to, to tell people it's it's all free. Like you can integrate this SDK, create this intuitive esports platform, which you then have to publish to the App Store. Um, and yeah, of course, Like for for, every, for each game that wants to integrate with this, we do have to make some adjustments to the game itself. Simple things like adding a timer, adding a score counter, but most importantly, removing all random elements out of the game. Because uh, yeah, it has to be 100% skill-based. There shouldn't be any yeah, gambling or whatever element in the game left. Um, so, yeah, start out by, by, by checking gamesresections.com. And um uh, we are very, very interested in 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 helping as many, yeah, game studios with high quality <laughs> games that we can. They want
1: games in their, you know, in, in their system. So one, and I'm gonna completely segue into something here, GDC got canceled. But there are still a whole lot of people who are still going out to San Francisco. And for those of you who did not hear the news on Monday, we actually just merged our next virtual event with the meet-to-match on-site event. So if you go to indiegame.business now, the ticket that you buy for the event, the event's no longer April 2nd and 3rd. Now it's the whole week of March 16th through the 20th but there's 700 plus companies to meet with now. And so, you know, during the hours that the system's open and, you know, one, be patient because no one, it's it's easy for me to say, well, we haven't done this something of this size before. The reality is no one in the industry has done something this size. Yeah, it's crazy. it's, It's absolutely nuts that... You know, you can be sitting over in Amsterdam right now, but you can book meetings, and for a week, you're going to have the opportunity to meet with seven hundred people, regardless of where you are. There's a hundred and twenty-five plus publishers signed up right now. There are two hundred and thirty-some publishers or companies who want to talk to developers that have content, and and is going to be one.
2: Did you have? Are you going? Do you
1: have a ticket yet?
2: Um, I don't have a ticket yet, but it's definitely on my to-do list. 100% know it.
1: You should absolutely do it. So go to indiegame.business, and then when you hit the buy the ticket button, it's not going to automatically give you the, the discount code, but if you type indie devs, all one word, then you're going to get 50% off because we we dropped the ticket price because we know so many studios and companies got completely screwed by, you know, they've already paid for hotels, they've already paid for flights and, and all that sort of stuff. So we're trying to make it as cheap as possible, but literally never have you had an opportunity to meet with this many developers and, and, and publishers and you don't have to go anywhere. So, you know, I'm going to badger, you know, you're here and, and he's going to have, game transactions is going to be there. And so if you want to meet with him, you can do that too. Excellent. Anything else? No, it's just my, my
0: week has been crazy because we started doing this. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs>
1: and it's going to get worse.
0: And, and, um, and when you do your Eventbrite <laughs> ticket, it takes a while to get the, the email to log into the meet to match site. To uh, I'm still waiting for mine because I, I did my ticket the other day, and I still haven't gotten my email yet. So it's taking a little bit of time sometimes for those emails to process through. Just be patient yeah and then and if it's not while, just message, message jay it. like 20 times
1: and yeah exactly <laughs> email it to me uh indy speaking of which email me your ticket and that way we can check it because okay. we have i mean what on the technical side what we did was we literally moved people from one you know event to another which requires all kind of different api hooks and some of which were set up and some of them weren't and so yeah we're still working on it but um yeah, it's, it's, it, this is a ridiculous opportunity, and no one's ever ever done this. Um, What's
0: the stats on the companies for the Indie Game Business Con? There's 700, kind of over 700? Yeah. 100 and some publishers.
1: we got 125, 130-some publishers, uh, and then another 40 to 50 investors that are signed up. So by the by the time this thing actually rolls around in, in a week and a half, I would easily say there's going to be 200 publishers there. I mean, if you get a ticket for 50 bucks, so is 50 bucks. Even if worth there was the only
0: 10 publishers, there be worth yes. it.
1: <laughs> most most of companies that I mean when we've been managing these shows for a very very long time, um, most of these companies, most companies when they go to GDC and these things, they, if they get 15 meetings, they're all they're they're ecstatic. And you can easily end up with 20 or 30 meetings. Um, so X, is a second. Can you explain how it works? All right. So we've got an Eventbrite link that's been all over, um, all over everything anyway, but I'm going to pull it and post it again. If I can find where it is on my computer. So you either go to indie Business. I've, I've, I've got
0: it. I'll post it.
1: Have you got the discount code?
0: Ah. Uh. Discount Indie
1: yeah. Dev. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So is going to post a link in here. But if it, you it, can go to our Twitter account, Facebook, anywhere we have it, and we've been talking about it. But you go there, you get a ticket. You'll get a confirmation from Eventbrite, and then you'll get an email from Meet to Match to set up your account. And if you've ever been to any Meet to Match event in the past, you don't even have to go and retype everything. It'll say, hey, you want to use the profile that you set up last time. And you may have to update stuff, but you know, for all intents and purposes, it's there. Um, then once you get into the meet to match system, you can sort and see, you know, if I wanna go and say, hey, this is the publishers, I wanna meet with publishers. It will list the companies that are just publishers. If you only want to meet with mobile companies, if you wanna meet with developers or investors, you can literally go through. If you're looking for an audio team like our clients over at Unlock Audio, you can say, "I want to find audio teams," and it, you know, spits it out right there for you. And then you just click, "I want to meet," and you sk- you find an empty time on their schedule and you click it. Now. The thing that is different this time versus the way we usually do these events is the link to the video call isn't going to be in the calendar invite. we've got a prompt when you're logging in to put in your Skype name or however you want to do the video call with two weeks to build this and 700 some people we just have it we didn't even want to fight with the whole you know integrated via you know video, calls. So you'll do the actual meeting through Skype or through Google Hangouts or through Zoom or whatever you use. But you can go in there and you can immediately see exactly what these companies want to see. You know, I'm I'm a publisher, I'm looking for you know, mobile games that are near to completion that I need to invest less than $50,000 on. You know, there's a whole lot of little buttons and switches you can flip. But you'll know exactly who you need to meet with. You don't have to know anybody up front. You know, that's the purpose of the whole matchmaking system. And then, you know, the best thing is you don't have to travel anywhere. So, I mean, you can do this from your entire office or couch. All you need is a, a laptop and a headset, basically
0: did that answer everything he is also says there are a list of publishers investors attending
1: you're killing me here with all these questions when you log in and
0: sign up then you get the whole list of (laughs) everything
1: there's actually an easier way Um, i've just got to find the right link so because i'm logged into the system i have to like log out to to make it do it but um bear with me i can i can do this log out because when you go to the when you go to log to the meet the match page it actually shows you so yeah go right there and then just scroll and scroll and scroll and
0: scroll that's a couple people
1: yeah no really And if you've got any questions, I mean find us on Discord too as well. You know, that that that's always there as well. Um Yeah, you know, thanks for so much for this. This has been extremely interesting and uh, I, I love it. We'll we'll get you set up for um, for the event as well, so you can meet with a lot nice. of these developers that are gonna be there.
2: That's cool, that's cool. Yeah, thank you guys so much for the opportunity as well. Uh, there's so much more to come and uh, yeah, the longer we, we do this, the more yeah interesting insights we will have and hopefully next time I can share, share some extra de- 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 well, extra details with you guys. Excellent. Yeah. Awesome. Dude,
1: welcome back anytime and you're on our Discord so if you yes. just go to discord.gg slash indie game business, um, you, you can chat with him as well as most of our other guests as well, they're there. We've got 800 and some people or companies on it now, which is wow. amazing. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah.
0: Also make sure, um, and this along and with everything else will be on anchor.fm slash indie game business. So you can listen to at your leisure. Exactly. Also on YouTube and Twitch. We save the highlights and uh, on, on YouTube and the uh, live stream playlist. Excellent. Awesome. All right. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Indie Game Business. You can learn more about the show and our online business networking events at IndieGame.Business.